Good day, ladies and gentlemen. So glad that you are along with us as we are studying God's Word and thinking through it. Good morning, Megan. Hey, Lewis, child of Elohim. I'm glad you're back. Saw your comments yesterday and uh, appreciate the encouraging words of your brothers and sisters. Keep hanging with us. You'll get there. It'll make sense. You'll see it. Keep reading, rereading. I think Ken is the one that even said that to you. Keep reading, studying. You'll get there. Good morning, Ken. Hey, Martha and the rest. All right. So we today are going to wrap up Romans chapter seven. And I want first to show you where Paul is going. Paul's doing a couple of things here. At least he's heading to a couple of conclusions. On the one hand, he wants to encourage his Jewish brothers who are now in Christ. He wants them to live in the freedom they have because of Christ. Freedom in contrast to what? Slavery. The law made them slaves. The law made them slaves to sin. And he wants them to see their freedom. And he has to, to give them the argument, explain the theology, explain what God has done in the law and in Christ. But he really wants them to walk in freedom. The second thing he wants them to understand is, if they are still in the flesh and under law, they're not in Christ. Ah, Sorry, just had to... Take another sip of the Lord's goodness there. Let me show you. This is where it's heading. Chapter 8. There is then now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. If you've been with us, we have talked about this. Uh, The better translation is, there is, well, there is no, there is. Let me back up. Condemnation, therefore, is nothing now. And we'll talk more about this next week. But that's the point. What is the condemnation? Death. Death is nothing now. This condemnation, this judgment, that is death is nothing now to those who are in Christ Jesus. And notice how he describes those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You should now read that statement differently from how you've read it in the past. Who are those who walk according to the flesh? to the flesh. Do you know? How does Paul use this term flesh? Who walks according to the flesh? Anybody? Good job, Edgar. The Jews. Walking according to the flesh means under the law. So those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, different realm, right? They were in the spirit, in the realm of the flesh and the law, and now they're in the realm of the spirit. If you walk according to the spirit, then condemnation is nothing. Why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me, and that should be you, we'll talk about that next week, set you free from the law of sin and death. You've been released. You're not enslaved anymore. So what's assumed here? That sin and death was a law. He's using play on the words law, play on the word law, and we'll see that today. Sin and death, there's this law of sin and death, but in the spirit, by the spirit, 
in Christ, you've been freed. So don't walk as though you're a slave to sin and death. You're not. For what the law was not able to do, and so on. And this is complex. So I'm going to come back to this. I want to get to, <laughs> I want to get to this section. The, those who are according to the flesh, those who are circumcised, living under the law, mind the things of the flesh. They are focused on their their minds think about the law. Those according to the spirit, their mind is on the things of the spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death. If you're going to put yourself under that law, you're going to die. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Circling back to some things he said earlier. We'll talk all about this. Because the mind of the flesh is enmity to God, not peaceful. For the law of God is not subject itself, for neither is it able. And those who are in the flesh are not able to please God. And you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, this one is not his. Do you see what he's getting at here? You've been set free in Christ by the spirit. If you are still in the flesh, if you are that old man under the law, the Spirit of God has not freed you and you don't belong to the Messiah. Pretty strong words. So he wants to encourage his brothers here. You've died to the law. You've died to sin and judgment, the flesh, all that. You're alive in Christ. You're alive in the Spirit. Walk in that freedom. Don't submit yourself back to the law. Don't set your mind on the law and the flesh and all that. And if you're not in the Spirit, then you don't belong to Jesus. Edgar says, Doug, I've asked several times, how does all this apply to Gentiles? How would they have understood them? Well, who does he say in chapter 7, verse 1, he's talking to here? He's talking to Jews, right? So what are we supposed to learn from this? What should the Gentiles have learned? Remember, in the Roman church, the Jews were trying to persuade the Roman Gentile believers to submit to the law. Paul is explaining, if you do that, you're putting yourself under this master that is going to enslave you to sin. So, don't go there. Don't let them persuade you to become Jews. Don't get circumcised. Don't place yourself under the law. That's what they would learn. And that's what we should learn as well. All right. So, <clears throat> sorry. I'm, uh, it's been so warm here. <laughs> the other day I was freezing, right? It was cold. Now it's uh, 80 degrees. <laughs> and uh, whatever I'm allergic to this time of year is in full bloom. So I apologize for the sniffing and my voice is weak. Ah, but that's good. It gives me strength. All right, so let's wrap up chapter seven. And I want to show you something. Uh, I think I alluded to this the other day, but in the New American Standard, 
this whole section in uh, verses 1 through 13 about uh, the, the law, the commandments, the law is holy and good and righteous and all that. It is separated, verse 13 is separated from verse 14 with this heading, the conflict of two natures. That is not helpful. Obviously, it's not in the Greek, and it is making a theological assumption, an interpretive decision that is wrong. It starts off with the word for. There should be no break here. So if you have a Bible that has a heading and a, a new section in verse 14, take your pen and scratch it out. Circle the word for. Remind yourself this is all flowing together. All right. Um, verse 13. That which is good then, has it become death to me? All right, let me give you another pop quiz. What is the good thing that Paul is speaking of here? He says, that which is good then, has it become death to me? What is it? Well, I'm waiting. Alfred says, is this what Luther struggled with? Uh... Yeah, yes, to some degree, Augustine for sure, and Luther would have followed in his line, and all the Reform guys. Um, I think Augustine described it like the flesh. The old man is dead, but he's still hanging on our neck, and so we live life dragged down by this corpse. None of that's true. That's a complete misunderstanding of what's here. Very good. That which is good is the law. He's asking the question, has the law, this good thing, that's holy, righteous, and good, has it become death? No. It's not actually the law. Does the law kill Paul? Yes. But it's not actually the law. You see, he's getting really precise here. It's not the law, but sin. Sin is the problem, not the law. That it might appear sin through the good, working death to me. We talked about this yesterday. Paul is really focusing and he's, he's got careful nuance here. Earlier he said, the, the law killed me. But now he's saying it's not really the law. I mean, the law did kill me. The law pronounced condemnation. But the point is, I have sin and sin took advantage of the law, the good thing that God gave me, the law, and it worked death to me. Why? that sin might become exceedingly sinful through the command. So remember, he's personifying sin and showing in the big picture why God gave the law to Israel. So that sin would become hyperbolically sinful. Remember we talked about that? That's what this word exceedingly is in the Greek, hyper, hyperbole. It's the word we get, it transliterates into hyperbole. That sin, the, how wicked is sin? that it takes this good law of God and twists it into something that kills people. Okay? For, not a new section. For, let me explain how exceedingly sinful is. Let me explain how sin took this law and worked death in me. Well, not our flesh, child of Elohim. Are you a Jew under the law? 
He's talking to the Jews here. If you're a Gentile, you were never under the law. For we have known that the law is spiritual, but I, and let me translate this literally for you like I did yesterday, I, the one who has been sold under sin, am fleshly. Okay, so now he's describing someone who is in the flesh, who is sold as a slave under sin. He's a Jew. He's got God's law. It's a spiritual law, not like the four spiritual laws, (laughs) but it's by the spirit. It's from God, but I'm a slave and I'm in the flesh. Here's what it's like. For that which I work. Now, a lot of your translations don't translate this work, right? I think the NAS uh, says practice. The ESV says uh, actions. New King James says doing. But it's a verb form of the word work, which I don't think was an accident. The works of the law. For that which I work, I do not, and here the translation is not a good one. It's just like, I do not know. For not what I will, this I practice. So I'm practicing, I'm doing what I don't want to do. I don't will to do this, but I'm doing it. But what I hate This I do. Okay? So he's describing the battle. I'm I'm a slave to sin. I'm in the flesh. The work I'm doing, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. What I want to do, I'm sorry, what I don't want to do, this I do. What I hate, this I do. And if what I do not will, this I do, I consent to the law that it is good. So I don't want to covet. Remember that was the example he used earlier. I was alive until the law said don't covet. And then I started coveting and it killed me. The law says don't covet. Well, I consent that law is good. This is God's good law. He says don't covet. I shouldn't covet. And yet I keep coveting. Now it is no longer I that work it, but sin dwelling in me. Again, he's being very nuanced here. He is not making broad, absolute statements. Of course he's the one doing it. But he's making a point. He's arguing that there's this power within him called sin. It dwells in me, he says. It's sin that's doing it, not me. For I have known that there does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh, there's not good. For to will is present with me. I want to not covet, because God said don't covet. That's present within me. But I do not find to work that which is right. This is 
again, this is literal, so it's kind of awkward reading, but I, the, 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 the ability to do what is right, I don't have it. The will, the, the thought, the, the desire, like I should, I should obey God's law. Yep, it's there. But working the law, doing the law, obeying, it's not there. For the good that I will, I do not do. It's good not to covet. But I don't do that. I don't do the not coveting. <laughs> it gets hard with all the negatives, right? But the evil that I do not will, this I practice. I don't want to covet, and yet I'm coveting. And if what I do not will, this I do, it is no longer that I work it, but sin dwelling in me. Do you see what he's doing? Back where he started, I find there's this thing called sin. And it takes advantage of the law to kill me. The law is good. And let me explain why it's good. Look, I look at the law. It's, yes, I should obey that law. That's God's law. It's a good thing. I want to obey the law, but I'm not doing it. I have this thing called sin in me that keeps doing what I don't want to do. I'm a slave. I have been sold under sin. And I have to do what master sin tells me, even though I don't want to. I find then the law. Now, this is a play on the word law. I find then the law that when I desire to do what is right, the evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I behold another law in my members. How many times has he said this already? The members of your body, that body of sin that is enslaved to sin, the old man. I have this, this law in my members, in my body, warring against the law of my mind. My mind says, stop coveting. My body says, nope, we want that. And it brings me into captivity to the law of sin that is in my members. Do you see what Paul is doing? He is describing the battle for the Jew, who on the one hand with his mind says, God's law is good. I should obey that law. That is a good, just, holy law. It's God's law. I want to obey that. But I can't. I don't. Why? Because I have this thing in the members of my body called sin that is waging war. And I give in to master sin all the time. A wretched man I am. Who will deliver me out of the body of this death? I'm in this body that is condemned to death because of my sin. Is there anyone who can deliver me? That is not the cry of a Christian. The cry of the Christian is the first part of verse 25. I thank God through Jesus, Messiah, our Lord. In Christ, the body of sin has been rendered useless. We have died to sin. Jews have died to the law. They've died to the flesh. They've died to master sin. They've died to all of that. They have been resurrected anew by the Spirit so they can serve God and bear fruit to God. 
the Christian has been delivered out of the body of this death. So to make the transition, Paul then goes back and summarizes the point. So then, I myself indeed serve the law of God with the mind and with the flesh, the law of sin. Therefore now, condemnation is nothing to those in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, not in that realm, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Do you see this? He's now saying that those who are in Christ have been set free from the law of sin and death. They are not enslaved to the law of sin and death. They do not live in the realm of this man in Romans 7. This is all explaining and expanding on his statement that sin took the good thing, the law, and worked death to me to show how exceedingly sinful sin is. So the Jew is given God's good, holy, just, right law, where he says, do this and live. And the Jew takes that law and turns it into a means of his death and condemnation. That's how wicked the Jew is. And he's in desperate need of being released from the condemnation and the slavery to sin. And in Christ, he has both. And that's where he's been going since really chapter 6, verse 14. In some ways, this is where he's been going since chapter 1, verse 16. All right, I'm going to stop there. Let me uh, pause and get a couple. Child of Elohim says, so Jesus took away the power of the law. Where there is no law, there is no transgression counted sin. Yeah, the Jew who is in Christ has been removed altogether from the realm of the law. He's not under the law. He doesn't need to obey the old covenant law. And because he's dead to that realm, then it has no power. The sins that were aroused by the law, those aren't aroused by the law anymore because he's not under that law. Child of Elim. So in Christ, Holy Spirit gives us power not to sin. Yep, and he's going to say that explicitly in chapter 8. Alfred says, I believe I get it now. We don't struggle with requirements of the yoke of the law that the Jews had. Yeah, we first of all, we're not under the law of Moses in any sense. And we don't, we, this is not a description of a Christian. This is a description of a slave. We are not enslaved. What is the law of sin and death? Uh, well, it's not exactly the law of God. Again, and Ken says law equal principle. Well, yes, but he's, and the NAS translates its principle, but I wish they would keep it law because he's using a play on words here. The law of Moses created a law of sin and death, meaning the Jew under the law of Moses was enslaved and there was this other requirement, this other eh, principle works, that bound the Jew to wickedness, which led to condemnation. 
So the, that's the play of word. Yes, they, the intent is more like a principle, but but he's using the word law on purpose. He's he's playing with the idea that law of Moses, law of sin, law of death, they all work together to condemn and destroy the Jew. Kent says, set free from the condemnation, death. Yes, exactly. And the way we are set free from the condemnation is resurrection. That's the point he made all through chapter 5. He's going to come back to it in chapter 8. Edgar says, but as Christians, what arouses us to sin? Yeah, he'll talk about that in chapter 8. We are tempted and we still have desires, but we're not enslaved. And he doesn't call it flesh. He makes a distinction, as we'll see in chapter 8. Any other questions? The point, so I said this a couple days ago, but it's worth repeating. If you think you are Paul in chapter 7, you will give up hope of overcoming temptation. I'd like to stop looking at porn, but I'm just I'm just like Paul in chapter 7, Romans 7. I'm just the Roman 7 man, and I'm enslaved. And the thing I don't want to do, I keep doing. I can't help it. I don't want to be drunk. I don't want to keep drinking to excess. But, you know, I just I can't help it. I'm just like Paul. I, I have this thing in me, this sin, and I just don't want to do it anymore. I... I don't want to I don't want to keep yelling at my wife. I don't want to keep nagging my husband. I really don't. I don't want to keep griping at the kids. But uh yeah, I just, um I'm just like Paul here. I I'm just waiting. I'm a wretched man just like Paul, waiting to be released from this. I'd like to stop being lazy at work. I'd like to stop being lazy at home. I don't want to just sit around and watch and Sports all the time, playing video games, flipping on my phone. I, I'd like to actually accomplish something, but um, you know, Paul, Paul gets it. Paul and I are we just we just got to hang on. Thank God for His grace. And one of these days, we're gonna die and be free of all this. But until then, you know, I I'm I have these two natures, and sometimes the old nature just wins because it's still there, and I'm gonna carry that nature. With. All of that is a lie from the pit. It's a complete misreading and misunderstanding of Romans 7. And Paul says very clearly, as I read to you at the beginning, you are not a slave to sin if you're in the realm of the Spirit. And if you are not in the realm of the Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. Don't believe the lie. You do not have to give in to temptation. Whatever temptations you encounter today, you do not have to give in to them. They are not your master. You can say no. You can, if you're in the spirit. If you're not in the spirit, you're a slave to sin and you need to get saved. Amy says, later Paul will say, accept the weaker brother even if they keep certain days or food restrictions. So as Paul saying, live out the rules, customs of the law is okay, as long as they're doing it from the spirit, pleasing God, the conviction. Yeah, he's got some very, uh, uh, he's got specific things in mind there. He's not talking about everything in the law, and he's certainly not talking about being a slave, but there he's switching to get along, Jews and Gentiles, and if someone thinks we still should keep the Sabbath, fine. He does call them the weaker brother, but don't let that be a dividing line. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that when we get there. 
Ken says, Jews have been set free from law and sin and death are in the spirit. Yep, absolutely. And, and Gentiles were never under the law or the law of sin and death. But we were those that old man enslaved to sin and we have died with Christ. We have been resurrected with Christ. We are in the spirit and we also walk in freedom from slavery to sin. We'll talk more about that in chapter eight because that's where he goes. All right, come back tomorrow. Uh, David, Bickert fan, why'd you have to bring that up? I was getting ready to sign off. No, the two dogs fighting illustration is awful. That's the old view that we have the, the spirit and the flesh inside us like they're two dogs and whichever one we feed has more strength, more power. No, you were the old dog and that dog was executed. He was put down. He ceases to be. He is an ex-dog. You are now in the realm of the spirit. You do not have two natures. Christians do not have sinful natures. Nowhere does the scripture say you have a sinful nature. If you have a sinful nature, think about it. Uh, Alfred says we act like it. You don't have to. Stop acting like it. God says in the new covenant, I will give you a new heart. I will take out the old heart and give you a new heart. Did he give you a new heart that is corrupt? Did he give you a new nature that is just like the old one? No, Alfred, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. That is a dispensational lie. He did not give you a wicked, corrupt, enslaved nature. There's nothing good about that. There's no improvement there. No, he says, I'm taking out that old heart of stone that is hardened to pleasing God. And I'm going to replace it with the heart of flesh. Here's where we have to be careful with our words. The heart of flesh in that context in Ezekiel 36 is a heart that is malleable, that it will do what I want it to do. All right, I see all these questions about why do we still, why are we still tempted? Yep, we'll talk about all those in chapter eight. Uh, yep, good. All right, I'm going to call it there. Fellas, come back tomorrow, Friday with the fellas. We'll talk manhood, wisdom, and so on. And uh, for the rest of you, we will see you on Monday and get into Romans 8. Have a great day. God bless.